0: And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Shrink Chicks. Take a seat on our virtual therapy couch and get ready to learn all about, well, you. I'm Emily Beerley, And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're both licensed marriage and family therapists
0: and relationship experts. We're the owners and founders of The Therapy Group, a nationwide psychotherapy
1: practice with down-to-earth therapists just like us. Your session is starting, so get ready to know yourself and grow yourself. Hey! Hi! How you doing, baby?
0: Doing pretty good. How are you? You know what? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Your hair That's looks been... gorgeous. There's like this one little piece here. You know, you just Honestly, like this one. And I keep seeing it in the film. It's
1: gorgeous. I, you know, I, I feel that where you like see it. No one notices. That's, I'm like, Fuck, none of this matters. None of it matters. Nothing matters. <laughs> wait, but I this think... matters. This, this job wait, matters. This,
0: this question is very funny though. Let me hear, let If me hear. you Haley, listener, Haley wrote in. She said, if you had to play in a pro sporting event with no prior experience, which would it be? That is such a funny
1: question, such a right? Good, such a good question. But you don't get to pick tennis because you already play tennis for the record. It would definitely not be tennis. Okay. I'm gonna talk through this. I'm gonna talk through this with you. Okay, ready. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely be like a team sport. No. <laughs> because you you wouldn't be able to tell. You know, I could hide in other people.
0: Yeah, but then you're disappointing other people. That's horrible.
1: Oh well, so you're like just at be like, oh, the Olympics sorry. and you fuck up their team. But think about, yeah, that's fair. But think about, like, if all of the attention was on you, as like if you're playing tennis.
0: That's fine. I have no shame. I'd rather just oh, take wow. myself down.
1: Oh wow, that's nice. Yeah, I no, I, would know rather, this is... <laughs> I would rather hide in other people. This really fits with our personalities. Yes. Um. Also, it brings me to a stupid story. <laughs> you know, when you were in elementary school, maybe, and they would ask if you wanted to like play instruments. Did that happen with you? Yes. So flute. I was so, <laughs> I also played the flute. Of course. I, I played the violin and I played the flute. Classy. I just really thought it was very cool, and it is very cool to yes. be able to play an instrument. But it's not. I feel like it's like speaking a language. You either pick it up very quickly, or you don't. Yeah. I am not an instrument girl. <laughs> just did not pick it up. I did not practice. I. It wasn't. I wasn't into it. But so when it came time for the <laughs> <laughs> the um, recital recital, uh, when I was playing violin, no. <laughs> okay. I just would pretend like I was moving like the bow and I would just like move the bow (laughs) with everyone else. (laughs) Did anyone catch you? No one knew.
0: So, okay. So that's, I, so now I sort of understand where you're coming from with the team sport thing. Exactly. Like that's kind of how. Okay. So what sport you have to choose the team sport. Um, (laughs) does dance count? (laughs) Jen, you're such a bad dancer.
1: Excuse me. I was on a hip hop competition team.
0: I understand. And also I've seen your moves. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Listen, I,
1: I'm i going to we call you that.
0: asparagus, Jen,
1: for a reason. Yeah, I know. Like, listen, I can't help my lanky limbs. <laughs> OK, <laughs> can't help them. It's just but- <laughs> something that comes natural. But I think depending on what type of dance you're doing, mm-hmm. it might really enhance my dance moves. I've tried to learn a TikTok dance with you as well. Yeah, that was horrible. That went horribly. The
0: dance team was your choice.
1: Yeah, because then you can hide in the back. Yeah, I think I'd go for bowling. (laughs) We're picking? (laughs) Like, I don't know if if the person who asked this question was expecting for us (laughs) to pick these sports.
0: I don't, I definitely would not do anything that's a team sport. I believe bowling is not, correct?
1: No, definitely a team sport.
0: Oh, it is. Okay, never mind. I think One maybe it bowling. can be. Darts? <laughs> like, I would pick something that like, I could, because here's the thing, I'm going down no matter what. I just right. don't want to take anyone down with me.
1: <laughs> maybe I would do synchronized swimming. You just stick your legs up in the air and wave them around. <laughs> it would be very
0: clear how unsynchronized it was once you started swimming. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And
1: let's hope. Here's the
0: reason why I wouldn't do a team sport is Guilt. And today's episode is about guilt.
1: So good. Yes. I would just live with my guilt.
0: <laughs> I, listen, guilt is a pervasive emotion for me. Oh, tell me. Guilt is something I feel so easily. Mm. Do you think you have guilt proneness? I have guilt proneness. Tell Yes. Okay. So why is somebody wrote it? Let's start it off. Why is guilt such an easily
1: felt emotion for me? Why is it my go-to? The perpetual feeling of guilt is known as guilt proneness. For people who experience guilt proneness, they're believed to have a strong connection with their own and others' emotions. So you might be someone who's very connected to your emotional world. Uh, Research actually suggests that guilt proneness may be related to empathy as well as trustworthiness. So if you are this person, guilt might come up often for you, but I think it's important to decipher between the two categories of guilt. Mm -hmm. One of them being healthy, appropriate guilt, right? So it's a feeling of guilt for a justifiable- I kill someone. (laughs) Right. You should feel guilt. Right. Reasonable. For a justifiable reason. um, It's our conscience telling us that maybe we've done something wrong um, and it stops us from repeating or making mistakes. So it gives us the opportunity to learn and change our behavior in the future. So there is a reason as human beings why guilt is built into our emotional system because it helps us learn from our mistakes. It can be very useful. Um, On the other hand, irrational guilt, is when we mistakenly assume responsibility for a situation or overestimate the suffering caused um to another person and 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 how damaging that suffering mm-hmm. is um if we don't take steps to resolve it. So an irrational guilt is linked to anxiety, depression, dysphoria, OCD, PTSD. So there's a lot of links to irrational guilt. Um There's also childhood underpinnings of that if guilt was really brought into the conversation with our families. And if you have this persistent and excessive guilt, it may be contributing to low self-esteem for you, um, feeling like you're not a good person, excessively worrying about other people's perceptions. Uh, a sensitivity to criticism, weak or poor boundaries, a betrayal of personal values or core beliefs, and just feeling overwhelmed by simple decisions. So there's another part of like feeling, like sometimes the feeling, a sense of wrongdoing. So people that have
0: like very big moral compasses, you're someone who like has like a very high moral compass or is very into morals and ethics, you're probably gonna feel guilty more. Or if you had a household where guilt was used in a communication method. So if you have been told that it's bad to be loud or opinionated, it might be that you feel really wrong and guilty if you speak up in a meeting or if you have a different opinion than somebody, any of these things. So let's say it's like you're def. Default reaction, right? So somebody wrote in and said, Guilt feels like my default reaction. How do I accept I'm doing enough as a mom, wife, and a person? So the first question I'm going to ask is, What would you mean by quote unquote doing enough? Mm. What are you expecting from yourself internally? And what messages are you receiving externally? Because if you have this idea, you have an expectation for yourself, I should have dinner on the table seven nights a week, and then you only have it two you're probably going to feel
1: guilty for being a bad mom. She's using quotes with her hands if you're not watching this on YouTube. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you feel like being, quote unquote, a bad mom. (laughs) But I think that brings up a really good point that we don't necessarily bring into the conversation enough when we talk about guilt is expectations of ourselves And where those expectations have developed from. You know, you hear a lot about guilt playing a role when you grew up in maybe a very religious environment where maybe you were taught that certain very human things, sexual desires, urges, sexual preferences are quote unquote bad in some way uh, that you're doing something wrong and you develop this sense of I am bad for being me right I'm doing something wrong because of this expectation I have developed about who I'm supposed to be and you know we're when we talk about this in terms of, being a mom, you hear a lot about mom guilt of have this expectation of myself, of how I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I'm not meeting that, then I feel guilt. I'm doing something wrong. I'm maybe I'm hurting my child in some way. When I wonder if you can look at the expectations that you have developed for yourself about who you're supposed to be and ask yourself, is this actually realistic? Mm-hmm. Does this actually make sense? And if I'm not meeting this, does it mean I'm doing something bad? Anyone else
0: feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Will Get to Know You, What You Like to Eat, and More. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper, chicken, and the four-cheese tortellini. you got to try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients right now hungry root is offering shrink chicks listeners 40 percent off your first delivery and free veggies for life just go to hungryroot.com slash shrink chicks to get 40 percent off your first delivery and get your free veggies that's hungryroot.com slash shrink chicks don't forget to use our link so they know we
1: sent you
0: there's such an overlap between rigidity and guilt yeah right because i even think about it in terms of like diet culture right like how people will be like oh well i feel guilty after i ate if you feel guilty because you ate something if you should feel guilty as you're sitting at a restaurant you walk up to someone else's plate and you eat off theirs that's weird don't be doing that you should feel a little
1: weird about that man <laughs> It's bad
0: eating. So we'll you don't take food I, off of I someone else's
1: plate. <laughs> I do that every every time I go to a restaurant. You don't well, we have to talk think... about that and you should feel guilty. Right. right. So I like, <laughs> that's an example
0: of like bad eating. Don't right. do that. Right. <laughs> but besides that, everything else is good. But the amount you hear people talk about guilt with food, mm. I ate too many carbs. I did this. I did that. There was too much sugar, right? There's that's the rigidity of diet culture. I didn't get to my workout. I feel really guilty. Why do you think you have to work out every single day? If you, it feels great, that's great. But also if it's healthy, that means you can take days off. And so I think that there's this massive overlap
1: with rigidity and guilt. Mm. And which, which actually brings me to a really good point because guilt usually comes up when you act or think in a way that goes against your beliefs your family values, social norms, workplace ethics. So within some of those categories, if you're very rigid in your beliefs, if you're very rigid in this is how it's supposed to be, then it makes a lot of sense that guilt would come up more often because you have no flexibility in your thinking around around some of these things you're often saying to yourself oh I'm bad because I did not fit into this category I've done something wrong so then let's talk about a lot of people asked about how do you not feel
0: guilty about other people's feelings there were so many variations of this question, right? So somebody else also wrote out, like, "Um, it, am I really not responsible for people's feelings? Like, that I do not understand. How do I navigate feeling guilty with any bad news? And that's, it's the same sort of question, right? Yeah. So I think the other thing we're talking about is that, like, somewhere you were taught that it's wrong for other people to feel upset. And you were so uncomfortable in other people's discomfort that you'd rather just take it all on yourself. Mm-hmm. So the question is, at what point did you learn that other people hurting or being upset was bad, problematic, or your fault? Because the reality is, is even if somebody ends up hurt by our behavior, it does not mean that we caused harm. Yes. Those are different things. Right? Slap
1: someone in the face. Causing harm. Causing (laughs) harm.
0: (laughs) Deliberate. Right? You
1: feel guilty. Yes.
0: Now, if that person's a Nazi, I don't know. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Great point. <laughs> great point. <laughs> great. I mean, that's just where, saying, like, yes. the moral piece comes in, right? What's
0: well, the context of the situation going on, right? right. Great. Great but, point. And, and the context does matter, right? If I yell at my daughter because she's about to run into the... Right? This is every freaking time you're in a parking lot. I'm like, hang on the car. We're in a parking lot, right? I will yell at my daughter yes. when it is safety. That is very different than me coming home after a stressful day at work and me yelling at her just because I'm mad. And so these things, right, should bring up different experience. I'm not going to ever feel guilty that I yelled at my daughter in a parking lot so that she's safe.
1: I, I don't give a fuck. And you you know, what's interesting, right? So like if you use that example, you're, Millie might cry in both situations. Yes. So her reaction might be the same in both situations. Mm-hmm. And so if the question is, how do you not feel guilty about other people's feelings? You have to decipher between, did this fit with my values, my morals? As a mother, I want to make sure my daughter is safe. Yes. And so me yelling at her in a parking lot, even though she's crying, fit with my values. It made sense to me. At home, if I had a stressful day, I understand that it wasn't about her and it was really about what was going on for me. That doesn't fit with my values. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really good question to ask yourself is that someone else might be upset. Did your actions, what you did, fit with your values? Yeah. And the same thing, right? And so let's talk about this because we're
0: obviously I don't. it doesn't seem like we can talk about guilt without talking about boundaries. Yes. Because so many people... Are struggling with guilt around setting boundaries and once again this is to make you mind if i am setting a boundary because it is significant for me it's important for me that's very different that i'm setting boundaries because i want to hurt you right and i've never heard anyone talk about setting a boundary because you want to fuck someone else over
1: right i don't even know if i would call that a boundary no it's-, it's not yeah it's like a cutoff or yes. if it's yes. a, some sort of like manipulation in mm-hmm. some way, right? Mm-hmm. Is you're deliberately doing something to hurt someone else or, yeah. and, and here's the thing. And I think, I, I think when you have a reaction, like, let's say, I don't know, someone's calling you nonstop and they're talking to you on the phone and you can never get off the phone and you have built up this resentment over time and then you react to them by saying well i can't i can't fucking talk to you for this long anymore and you hang up on them i wouldn't call that setting a boundary i would call that having a reaction <laughs> to the resentment that you've built up over time yes. so you might have guilt about a reaction that you have setting a boundary is saying hey listen you know at six o'clock, I want to be with my family. I, I can't talk on the phone or I don't have a lot of space. Um, I don't have a lot of energy to be able to, to have this conversation that is setting a boundary. Yeah. The person might have a difficult time with that. It might be hard for them because you're changing something up for them, but the way in which you responded, the way in which you set that boundary may fit more with what your values are. And I think oftentimes we confuse boundaries as a level of like separateness from someone else, where you're actually preserving the relationship. You're making moves to actually be more connected to the person mm-hmm. so that you don't build up a level of resentment toward the, towards them, so that you don't have a reaction that doesn't fit with your values, so that doesn't bring about guilt in the relationship. Yep. So someone said, how to navigate healing from
0: being raised by parents who use guilt as a weapon. And I also want to speak to people specifically here who grew up with family dysfunction of secret keeping and rigidity of boundaries. So if you grew up in a household where you did not talk about what's happening in your household outside the house, if you do not talk about when mom's having a hard time, if you do not talk about what's going on at home, the idea of setting a boundary or talking or getting help or getting support it's going to make you feel like you broke a rule. And that's going to make you feel guilty, whether it's healthy or not, right? So sometimes people are like, okay, well, if I feel guilty, I should, right? Because that's what my body's saying, right? So I feel guilty. I must have done something wrong. That is often not the case. (laughs) But we have been taught that we're doing something wrong. So if you're being raised by parents who use guilt as a weapon,
1: it's going to confuse you with your relationship with guilt. And the thing that I love that you're talking about, Emma, is you may grow up with certain family values, right? Like secret keeping. You get to make the decision as an adult if you want to hold on to those values in as an adult. And so... What might be confusing about it is that maybe your family had these values. Maybe if there was dysfunction in your family and secret keeping was important, you grew up with this idea that you should hold on to secrets. As an adult, that might no longer fit with the values that you have as an individual. And so that might be really important to ask yourself, like, are there certain values that maybe I'm holding on to from growing up in my family that are causing me guilt that no longer fit with the values that I want to uphold as an adult in my own life. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good place to start to figure out what does that look like for me? Is secret keeping something that I felt was healthy or do I need to talk to someone? Do I need more support? What kind of values do I want to hold in my own life? And it might help you with the guilt that you feel or the confusion that you feel around guilt because then you're deciphering what is mine and what was my family's, what did I grow up with?
0: A lot of people want to know how to not feel guilty. Ah, every time.
1: Every time. Every time we talk about a specific emotion, the question is, how do I not feel this? Yeah. And we'll say it again. Any difficult emotion is built within us for a reason, right? There are times in which it overfunctions for us, right? That irrational guilt. And so it's not about not feeling the emotion. It's about when you feel it what you do with that emotion, right? Can you recognize that it's irrational? Can you recognize that, oh, this doesn't mean I'm bad in some way? Can you recognize that, oh, maybe my expectations for myself are really high and that's why I'm feeling this guilt? Yeah. It's not about getting rid of the feeling. It's about developing a tolerance for the feeling and then understanding, well, what do I want to do with this? How is this? How can I use this productively? And are there places where guilt is irrational and it's not useful for me? And so what am I going to do with that? How am I going to soothe myself? How am I going to tolerate this feeling? So time and experience,
0: (laughs) that's what we're talking about. You're going to have to do it a whole bunch of times a whole bunch of times and there's still going to be a twing of it. So here's somebody had written said, why do I feel guilty when I say no to someone? I want to come. I want to understand the scenario of you. Let's say you came into this life and you had an older sibling who was sort of difficult, right? And when I say difficult as a baby, I mean, maybe they were colic or maybe they were allergic to things. We're like, I'm not saying babies are bad, but you had your parents came in and you had a sibling that was more challenging. So you come into this world and babies can like sense this shit. So you somehow come into this world and you're OK sleeping. And you don't have colic and you don't have allergies. And then your whole life, your parents praise you for how easy you are. You're so easy. You are such an easy baby. Oh, she's so easy. He's so easy, right? Any of these things are so easy. So then at some point you start learning, well, easy is good. Anything else is bad. Being challenging is bad, being defiant is bad, speaking up is bad, being a burden is bad. And so then I say no to someone. All of a sudden, wait a second, I'm not so easy. That must be wrong. So at some point, you learned that that was wrong. And I think you have to say is one, where did I learn that was wrong? Who taught me that? And what do you feel like it says about you when you say no to someone? Mm. Oof. Okay. Are you ready for one? I'm ready. Let's talk about guilt versus shame because people always ask this in. And I know we've talked about it again, but just to remind everyone, shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did bad. Hmm. Right? So like shame is the next level down. But it is very, very common that guilt leads you into feeling shame. Oh, do you want me to tell a story? Please, always. For the record, somebody from my gym could listen to this. I'm going to tell a story that happened this week at the gym. What if my gym could hear this, and they might feel bad? Don't fucking feel bad. This is my shit. It's not your shit. Okay, go. Um. So this week at the gym, I, as you may guess, and as you've come to my gym with me, do I maybe it might be a little friendly? Just a bit. I talk to everyone. I'm very loud. I have a lot of energy. Usually, I've drank in a Celsius before as my pre workout. So like I'm there to party. Like I am at the gym for the vibes, man. Um. It's why I don't do well at yoga because I'm like, what are we doing? Partying. So, okay, so I'm at my gym and I am often talking, fucking around with people, giving trainers a hard time. There was a new trainer this week and um, our lead trainer, Sally, you know, gets on the mic and she goes, so what do we do when there's a new trainer? And somebody goes, Emily doesn't talk. (laughs) Listen, they're not wrong. I'm annoying. And for a new trainer, it's already scary. They're already up there. It is. It would be rude if I talked. But I had a moment of complete shame. Mm. Complete shame. Everyone thinks I'm annoying. I should never talk again, right? Like I and it was funny because I was turned around when they said it. I was like, ah! like had this like <laughs> total reaction. But what happened after my reaction that I joked about back was like a total shame spiral. Yeah. And part of that was a kid being growing up, a kid with ADHD who. T- Definitely talk too much. I said, if I ever had a memoir, it would be called Just Stop Talking. Right? <laughs> and mine would be, say something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anything. Say anything.
0: And and so you have these moments that for, for a second, I really totally felt like I was a little kid in school getting in trouble again. Wow. Right. It's it, like such
1: an activating exactly. experience for
0: you. Now, obviously, the person who said that did not cause me harm. Right. Even if that moment I, my child was hurting, it had nothing to do with the comment. This person was fucking with me just like how I fuck with everyone. That is it. They did not cause me harm by making a joke, even if I felt hurt. Mm -hmm. So they now could hear this and be like, oh, feel really guilty. No, no, no. This is not guilt for them. And that's what you have to separate is people typically don't make us feel a certain way. Mm. But it can activate a big feeling from us.
1: You know what story I thought you were going to tell? What? Oh, God. No, it's, it's, a, don't <laughs> worry. You were saying yesterday how someone said to you, so like, you just like talk to people when you go in places yeah. and you're like, yeah, that's just like who I am. <laughs> and like, in my mind, before you told that story, I was like, oh, I wish I had that quality. You know, and so it's, it's so interesting because that same thing that like, it also brings you shame if someone mentions mm-hmm. it also makes you so approachable and connected mm-hmm. to people. I was out for dinner last night at nine o'clock because, you know, I eat so. Late. I cannot, I I am literally getting into bed when Jen is going to dinner. So I went to dinner. The woman next to me, me and uh, my husband were sitting at the bar. The woman next to me, like, very clearly wanted to chat. And, like, I was not in a chatty mood. <laughs> so she I should like, have been sitting next to me, sitting sitting like this. And I was, and and eventually, like, I opened up and I was, like, chatting with her. It took me, like, a little. So, you know, it takes me, like, a little bit of time to warm up. But I am also thinking at the same time, like, how incredible that is to just f- have that ability to be so open to the people around you, like complete strangers, where for me, I'm like immediately, if I'm in an environment like that, like there's an immediate wall that comes up just automatic. And it has nothing to do with like not wanting to connect with people. I think I'm just overstimulated in my environment. So my, my immediate reaction is to shut down, but I'm, Getting back to the fact that I thought about you in those moments because I, I'm i like, that is just a personality type. You know, it's just, it's your personality. It's natural. You just immediately talk to anyone. It doesn't matter if you don't know them. Yeah. And I just, I see that as such a cool quality to have, just to be that open to people in your environment. When you were taught that
0: it's bad to be loud, then there's guilt. Yes. Right? Especially, I think the other thing is, like, if you are someone who um, has this pervasive guilt, like you talked about at the beginning, um, you are, like, hyper in tune with people, right? So, like, let's say I start a conversation with someone, and I can tell they're not into it, which, like, sometimes they're not. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you're standing, getting a cup of coffee. I make some comment about, like, oh, that looks really good. And they like, don't give me anything back. I have no idea what that person is going through. Right. right, They could have had the worst conversation of their life. They could just need this cup of coffee. They could have been up all night. You know what I mean? Like, I have no effing idea. But there is a ting of like, you you feel the person's not interested and there is a part of you that can go it's like, oh, that was wrong that I talked to them. Mm. I shouldn't have tried to make conversation. Person probably doesn't care about me very much. <laughs> They're never thinking about it. They're too in their head about something right. else. But when you've been taught that it's bad or wrong, to be loud or outspoken. And like it's funny because like I'm very much like my dad. My dad is like you, my dad will talk to anyone. Okay, let's hear what say. For anyone who doesn't know, I live in the same neighborhood as my parents. Like across the street. I don't think I not across the street. Oh. Four houses down across the street. I don't think I've ever admitted this on the show. And I would also like to say that I moved into the neighborhood first. They moved in afterwards. But um <laughs> It's great. It works out really well. I have an amazing relationship with my parents. My daughter can move right up the street and see them. It's amazing. But here's the funny part. So, okay, so I moved in two or three years before my parents. We were last week, lots of snow here. We were sledding with a bunch of neighborhood kids. And one of the, this, another, you know, family I hadn't met before in the neighborhood's pretty big neighborhood, was like, oh, you're Buck's daughter. And I'm like, oh my God. Still they have lived here for like a year and i am his daughter but that's because that's who my dad is he talked i am him so much he talks to everyone he's friends with, but he has no idea who they are ask him i could ask him your name and he probably doesn't know my like you know dad just like don't know your friends no matter what. yes (laughs) yes but my mom is not my mom is incredibly friendly but she's not as outgoing as me and my dad are. She's way okay. more reserved. So I think you look at your parents and you're like, I want to be like that. And like, there was something that's much safer about not being the outspoken one that yes. I always wish I was more like my mom and less like my dad. Wow. And the guilt that comes with being more. Well, I
1: insecure. also think if you, in school, like school is a perfect example. You're taught to be quiet. Mm-hmm. You're taught to hold yourself in, right? And if it comes naturally to you to talk to everyone, to have conversations, too, and you're consistently getting scolded for that and told that you're wrong in some way, you're being told that something that comes so naturally to you yeah. is bad. I mean, it's the same thing someone asked. Someone said, like, oh, oh I feel guilty about being an empath. In the same way, right? We grow up in a culture that says, if you're too sensitive, there's something wrong. Right, like we're uh, society's uncomfortable with difficult emotions, so if you're too sensitive and you're expressing that, you're wrong in some way, and so you have these consistent experiences that might tell you that something that comes naturally to you is wrong, and you're doing something wrong and you're affecting other people, right because you're crying, you're making other people uncomfortable, so that means that you're wrong mm-hmm. when this is some, this is natural. And so the question is, how do you embrace those things about you? Just because society might be uncomfortable with it, right? Might, just because society might be pushing you kind of back a little bit, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong or you're doing something wrong or that you're hurting other people. So I think figuring out like where that balance is, is really important. Like you're not hurting anyone by talking to them when they're having a bad day. Yeah. We have to get to DRMJ, the but there is one question I want to
0: answer really fast before that, because I think it's so important, was somebody talked about guilt after setting boundaries with a parent struggling with alcoholism. I just want to make sure we identify that if there is anyone struggling with alcoholism or addiction, there's going to be some level of codependency. And with codependency, there's going to be de- um, guilt and discomfort with boundaries. That is simply part of it. If you're struggling with this, please go to Al-Anon please get help for yourself because
1: that is just going to be part of it. So I just want to say that really fast because I didn't want to ignore that one. Okay, Dear Em and Jen. Dear Em and Jen, I'm a nurse and I just quit my job due to burnout after 12 years. Quitting almost broke me because of how much my identity is wrapped up in my job. A lot of enmeshment there for sure, lol. I want to do some work around boundaries, specifically in the workplace, so that I have a healthy foundation prior to starting my next job. Where do I start? And do you have particular guidance for healthcare workers? Enmeshment and guilt are ingrained in the healthcare arena, which makes it extra difficult to honor your own boundaries. Thank you both and your team so much for everything you do. You have taught me and others so much, and you really are appreciated. Thank you mm-hmm. for saying that. God. Oof. First it's, of all, yeah. we appreciate you for the work that you have done over 12 years. It is such a hard profession. I know a lot of people who are in the healthcare industry. I mean, in Philadelphia, there's so That's many healthcare huge, yeah. workers. And I think it, there is a very specific environment that you are pulled into in order to survive in that job. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it requires, in a lot of ways, you separating yourself from your own emotional world in order to, once again, get the job done. And I think that that need for that compartmentalizing or separation affects the relationship workplace boundaries because it keeps you from being able to identify what your boundaries are and be able to set any of those boundaries because you're having to separate yourself in a lot of ways. So the first thing I would say to you is I want you to reintegrate yourself with your own boundaries. I want I want you to start to reintroduce yourself to your own boundaries. To say, okay, how am I feeling in this situation? Start to get closer to the emotions that are coming up when you're in the workplace. Because that's something that maybe you've had to separate yourself from. It might come much more naturally to you. And because the more that you understand those feelings, the more you're going to be able to decide where do I need to set boundaries? What does this look like for me? Without that connection to your own self, your emotional world, it's gonna be hard to figure out, well, where do I set these boundaries? What does this look like for me? Yeah. Um, uh, You know, we have an great episode with
0: Katie Duke and Katie Duke has an amazing podcast called Bad Decisions. And she is, I believe a nurse practitioner who got, you know, went through COVID, put her life at risk every day and then immediately got laid off. And she talks, I think a lot very well about just how poorly set up our healthcare system is. So I think one of the things that this person talked about is like where to start and do a particular guide to healthcare workers. I want you to really think about whatever environment you're gonna to go to next. I don't know if you were in a hospital setting. I don't know if you were in a doctor's office setting. There's so many different settings for healthcare workers. I think you're gonna to have to be very particular about what you choose next. What do you want your day to look like? Because if you know that the system is, Already pervasive and broken to make you feel guilty and enmeshed, you're going to have to be very specific and intentional about whatever you choose to do. So, one of those is going to be the environment, and one of those is the ability to say no, even when you're being guilty. And that's totally what happens, right? Yes. There's nobody on staff. You have to do this. Listen, I'm sorry, hire more people. yeah I have to say no to this. But you are right. I think, especially as healthcare workers, I mean, you feel like people are going to die.
1: Yeah. If you take a day off. And another piece is that no one is happy to be there. Like the people that you're working, like no one is happy to be in a hospital, right? Like it's not a choice that they're making. Yeah. And I think once again, you suck up all that energy. Like that's hard. And then everyone who's a healthcare worker sucks that up. And then it all comes out in your relationships with each other, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's sometimes where the enmeshment comes from of like, you're almost bonded by that. I mean, I but, think
0: healthcare workers are like abused,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. There's a lot of that going on. But, you know, I think there's there's not a lot of support around it of, well, this is your job, you know, like you just gotta suck it up.
0: You there's chose not a this. lot of like
1: you chose this. There's not a lot of like validation for I think what healthcare workers go through. And I think that this, it's important for this person to validate their own experience of like, what was this like for me? How did I make, were were there certain things that were really difficult for me in this that maybe I couldn't acknowledge when I was in it and now I can, and what do I want to do with that? And as you're saying, um, what do I want my future to look like? How do I want it to be different? Yeah. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Shrink Chicks. We'll see you back here next Monday for another session. In the meantime, if you want a question answered or a topic discussed, follow us on Instagram at ShrinkChicks. Chicks. And if you're looking to get connected with a therapist like us to start or continue your therapeutic journey, visit thetherapygroup.com. Just fill out a contact form on our website, and we will personally match you with one of our amazing therapists. Also, if you'd be so
0: kind, we'd love a rating, review, and for you to share with a friend or an enemy or a mother-in-law, honestly, whoever needs it so that we can keep reaching more people on
1: our mission to bring mental health topics to your ears every week. Thanks for being here with us. And don't forget to grow yourself. You gotta know yourself. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host Erin Trellor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts? We're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning, though, there will be no surface-level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those "be healthy" boxes. I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some Raw Beauty Talks.